Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, another quick summer has flown by, and the boys are back together to discuss a little bit about everything, including finding common ground, who's wrong when there are no good choices, a bunch of crazy rules from the Old Testament, boobs to the rescue, jellyfish for dinner, and a tasty dose of Mongolian folk medicine. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back everybody, episode 94 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. We're screaming towards 100. It's unbelievable. This is four years. You know, uh, perhaps it's time for a new t-shirt. I'm pushing for the for the orgasm counting gnome, perhaps, to make an appearance on the shirt one day. The good... But, well, it shows up in minuscule version within the Dionysian Parade for shirt. Sure. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm loving... I'm loving all of them, man. The EQ shirt, I get happy every time I... The EQ shirt is the greatest piece of lingerie maybe ever created. Fellas, get a double X on it, put it on your lady, that's soft, just perfectly hugs all those good curves. We made... Um, I ordered it from one of these um, stores that prints scrolls. So it looks kind of ancient scroll, but it's something that you can attach to your wall. So the first thing that every morning I see as soon as I open my eyes is... EQ and the lady on my wall right there. It's glorious. I'll put, uh, maybe I'll put a link. I don't know a link to what. Maybe Savannah's contact or something, because she was planning on doing some scrolls. So if anybody's interested, they can touch base with her. No, that'd be an awesome see, thing to have. Because yeah. yeah. it's, like, it's like 18 inches? No, it was big. It was kind of like something, well, you guys oh, can't see it, because it's, yeah, it's big. It's poster size. It's sizable and glorious. That's uh, uh, yep. That's what I see every time I open my eyes. There's a great company that's using old school printing presses, mm-hmm. and I always love to see because they'll like right. dial it down, make the. I know it's resin and not yeah. chipped stone or whatever it was back in the day, but they look great, and everyone's individual because the ink never presses twice the same way. It's glorious stuff. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, if you guys want to check out our existing T-shirts, please do. They're always there. Um, we're going to try to do things quick. So from now on, we decided, we decided actually, Rich decided, and it was a brilliant idea. So I just can't believe <laughs> I a miracle did right it. There. Hey, well, <laughs> take it when it comes, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll just do a very quick sponsor mention at the beginning, and then we'll just throw it at some point as part of a presentation of one of the segments inside so yep. we don't kill you with too long stuff. So we just want to quickly thank um, Omnit, and uh, that's Usara, and of course, our design. Links are in the episode notes, and we'll mention more about them as we go. For and when right. it comes time, when a commercial comes around, it's not going to be any more than a minute 30 at the most. So don't worry about having you're going to listen to something for five minutes. It's no. just going to be quick, 
you know, concise and, and, and on its way. So we can get the show started. Yep. We'll take a little breaks in the middle for you to, well, you're going to need a breath after all these big subjects. It's just for your listening pleasure, especially I put together one for Datsusara. That's not really a commercial. It's more of a Duncan-style rant. I think it was Check one of that a, out. a love poem. Yeah. Glorious stuff. In any case, we'll shut up now and get moving. Well, friends and neighbors, it's time to get your Bible learning on to untwist this crazy little document that seems very confusing to me. Kind of, uh, I hit somebody with the old Moses fresh down with his Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, immediately killing people. 3,000 people, right? Yeah, that really gets a reaction out of folks. How did they respond? Uh, they always get huffy, but it turns out exactly what you said, like the basis of ISIS and all those sort of it's murders. Right it's the perfect thing. It goes right to it's so convenient. How did they squirm uh, us? Sure. How did it they squirm out of it? They didn't. They, they just didn't. sort of turned tail and run. It was fantastic. To That's watch awesome. Me. I've been getting a lot of mileage out. You know, the other thing that makes me crazy with all these talks of immigrants and things like that, yeah. Jesus would have let everybody in. Yeah, there's uh, we at some point it will be fun. Like once we get run out of uh, crazy Old Testament stuff, it would be interesting to look at some of the because I mean some Jesus stuff is actually really cool. Some of it is highly disturbing. Oh yeah, it's uh, especially if you're a fig tree. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. Or well, and even the foreigner thing, there are some weird ones, right? Because on one it's. It almost seemed like there are multiple people writing there because what? the stuff that they attribute to Jesus on one end, he seemed like hardcore Jewish nationalist. And on the other end, he's like, peace and love for all. Uh, your neighbor is the same as your countryman. There's no difference. And he's like, well, that's kind of different from what we just heard. But we'll save that for yeah, a yeah, future yeah. date because that's a good one. Definitely fun for arguing though. Yeah. But still, since we are far from running out of crazy Old Testament stuff. Let's look at some nice... Uh, this is more... It's not a story as much as it's about rules. Oh. You know how there are all the rules against homosexuality in the Old Testament, of course. Um, there are other very interesting rules. In particular, a couple of books, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, are full of some little gems here. One, there's like a rule against uh, wet dreams that make you ritually unclean. So you have to go to this whole process of uh, uh, ceremonies and stuff to be Every cleansed. time? Yep, everyone. But this is the mild stuff. You this, wouldn't see a teenager for like three years. Just, every day be up. Oh, I gotta sorry, go uh, see you in five hours. I right. didn't mean to, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, there's, okay, sex with a menstruating woman, you get exiled. So out of the community, Who's you're out. Who's going to bust you? I, I, I don't know. I or something? Don't I mean, know. I don't want to know. <laughs> they don't specify <laughs> okay. how it's done. But, uh, well, and I'm on the interesting one. There's having sex with your mother-in-law. Death. Having sex with you your mother. death for that. I death. Yeah, having sex fine. with your sister. Death. Having sex with your sister-in-law. Death. Having sex with your aunt. Death. Having sex with your daughter-in-law. Death. Homosexuality, of course. Death. Um, 
women having premarital sex, yes, death as well. Uh, in the case of bestiality, that's pretty interesting. You kill both the man and the animal. I'm not sure what the poor sheep has can, done. Can you still eat it? But yeah, I'm sure you probably can eat it afterward. I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I, I need to check on that part. But yeah, <laughs> both man and animal get to be killed, which I'm not entirely sure I get that. Doesn't seem completely fair. No, no, no. I don't think it's <laughs> Yeah, that's so wrong. There's, of course, the good stuff, like in uh, Leviticus 19.20 and Deuteronomy 21, between 11 and 14, there are the proper rules for raping a war captive. That's always nice to have. But this is where things get bizarre. Deuteronomy 22.13. So, a man gets married and then decide that his wife is a hateful bitch and he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. So what can, how can you get out of this? Because you can't really divorce too well, all of that. So you can claim that she wasn't a virgin when they were married. Mm. And now it's trouble time because some, something is going to go down. So it's up to her father now to pull out the quote I quote from the Bible, the tokens of her virginity, which means bloody sheets they have to have like after they had sex the first time there better be some blood there and their father need to conserve it in the corner of a house for the whole time so that in case there's a challenge he can go out without slaughtering a pig on top of the sheets just a moment i've got these right here that's insanity yeah because i've always heard as far as hymens go yeah, it's not They're generally uh, not intact no, anyway from just play and just from there's that there are no guarantees. You know, that's like sure it can be that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. So that's you're screwed if or again you just start chasing a chicken in a yard, suddenly give me one minute. So what so the brides had to be aware of that. So you think they would literally like cut their hand or something I'm to sure. at least get some I'm, documentation? I'm sure put together? that was something like that. Yeah. <sighs> Now, if you can't produce the bloody sheets, uh-huh. the woman, because we're a nice, civilized heritage that's so unlike those barbarous people from... The woman is to be stoned to death. Still? Yes, that was the idea. So what's the difference? Um, yeah. Uh, let's go to the next topic, I guess. Well, I did just not the idea of actually the... stoning someone to death. I yeah. Mean, what would that be like? Yeah, not pretty. Because I'm sure they're not taking little rocks. They're no. probably some serious... Uh, and this, you get that first smack in the skull that knocks them down, and now they're yeah, moaning yeah, and yeah, they're hurt, yeah. and a couple to the ribs. I to wish break that I, open. I wish I did not see YouTube videos about it, but I have. I think I have to. Not it seems like pretty. a really terrible way to die. Yeah, nasty. Now, if a virgin is uh, to be married, but instead she's raped in the city and she doesn't cry loud enough for people to hear that, hey, there's something going on. You know, if she doesn't get the attention of other people in protesting loudly against the rape, then she's to be stoned to death. Because clearly it's not real rape, then you must have meant it. Okay. Then if a woman is raped in the country instead, when there is no, uh, then okay, sure, you can stone to death a rapist, but nothing, uh, nothing about her. Uh, if a man, this is still the joys of Deuteronomy, if a man rapes a virgin, he must pay her father some in silver and then marry her. Oh, that's going to make That's the be... solution to all problems, clearly. And then you're back to where you started. Oh, I don't like her for some reason. Yeah. There's that. Now, if a man dies without having a child, 
it's his brother's turn to have sex with his wife so that the line can continue so that they can have kids but if he refuses and does not want to have sex with his sister-in-law which unlike the previous case where you got killed in this case it's authorized if he refuses this is where it gets beautiful the dead man's wife is to I quote loosen his shoe and spit in his face Ooh. I did not quite understand the loosen his shoe part like yeah, and streaks are... Uh, what the hell is that about? You know, that doesn't fit well. It's always jostling around, giving you a blister. And Complicated. And spit it? in your face. That's a really yeah. narrow... So, sisters, mothers, aunts, all that's death. All bad. But just a spit in the eye. All good. Sheep, bad. Sheep, bad. There's a lot to keep track of. I'm going to need to make a chart, I think. This rant is brought to you by our friend at Datsusara. Now, I was listening to, I think I mentioned in a previous episode, somebody made a compilation on YouTube of all of Duncan Trussell uh, spots for short design. And I got through about 10 minutes and my brain was like, after taking a triple dose of LSD, you probably are in that state. Because it's like, he's... Dakar is just brilliant. So inspired by, uh, as an homage to his brilliancy, and uh, I decided to compose the following for Datsusara. Oh, so let's ready to have a Duncan-inspired Datsusara spot. If you find yourself strapped to a chair with an icy torturer applying electrodes to your genitals and about to turn the voltage on, there's a good chance that in that precise moment he may notice your Datsusara backpack you are carrying when you are captured. And mesmerized by the amazing design and tactile joy brought to him by running his fingers over the fabric, he may forget all about his torturing intentions. He may suddenly be struck by the senseless horror he has unleashed over the years and realize that all he wanted all along was to make the world a better place. But somewhere along the way, things had gone just a little bit wrong. In that moment, with tears in his eyes, he would remove the electrodes from your genitals, untie you, and beg you your forgiveness before helping you escape. None of this would have happened had you been captured with some shitty backpack you bought from a department store. Isis converting magic is definitely not part of the manufacturer description of most backpacks, but rest assured, it's part of the deal when you acquire a Datsusara backpack. I love my Datsusara stuff. I can't agree more. And, you know, no other backpack in the world will save you from ISIS. So that oh. kills the con- kills any discussion right there. So that leads us for our rant of the day. Which direction do we want to go? You know, I just, I got to say real quick, the, the insanity of the current political process and i'm not going to get political but i just want to say all this fear-mongering is making me crazy and it's made me take a look around and i looked out on the street right down there on melrose avenue not so much fear seem to be people strolling about doing their dang i looked at the beach a few days ago not so much fear 
I looked at a ballpark in, in, in San Francisco and the Fisherman's Wharf. A lot of tourists, not so much fear. Now, I'm not saying there's no fear in this country and that people have bad times and they're in sure. difficult situations. But we are not underneath some kind of cloud of fear right now. And to whip that into a frenzy so that people can freak out and lose their minds seems a bit... Well, I mean, the whole the whole political game is depressing as hell. I mean, it's like lately when I open social media and see all of the crap that we see these days where everybody's posting about elections and Trump and Clinton and all of that, it's just, that is depressing as hell in many ways. Like, I miss the good old days when people use social medias for cat pictures and food. Yeah. You know, that considerably better than the crap that we're seeing now and considerably better for a simple reason because the problem is that other than the fact that of course nobody ever changed their mind because of the facebook post not a single person but on top of it is the whole game is set up so like there's not a single good choice i wrote a thing a while back on a facebook thing just for fun as in musing about similarities you know for me studying a lot of american indian history and uh, recently having finished the whole crazy horse series on history on fire i was noticing some odd similarities between what i read in american indian history and uh, the 2016 election now what happens with the native americans is that and i allude in particular to the in the last crazy horse episode is that at one point, things really hit the fan when you're put between choices where they all suck. Where Whatever you do, you're screwed. Yeah. Because if you decide to fight it out and try to defend your land, you're going to get squashed. Yeah. If you decide to slowly give away inch by inch every little bit of your lifestyle, but you're trying to negotiate in an old dawn and hope for the best, that also sucks. It's a horrible disempowering moments so it's like it's not that you have good choices it's like you want to die now or you want to negotiate your slow and ugly descent and just trade those are bad choices you know people on one end you get the guys who are like well screw it we're gonna get screw over anyway so we might as well go out with a bang and in a noble fashion that's great, but you still have kids, you still have people who don't want to die, who maybe that's just going out with a bang may not be the smartest thing in the world. And so maybe trying to figure out, can we, in this minuscule room that we have for empowerment, in the little tiny bits of say-so that we have on our own lives, can we negotiate a space to guarantee a future for our kids? Can we do that? It's also not. It's not necessarily a bad choice, but it's also, again, uh, it's the only choice you got. It is a bad choice because it's like, what else? You know, you're still going to lose 95% of what you try to do, but the alternative is death. So, it, like, you're stuck between bad choices, you know, and that's... And what ends up happening is that as a result of people being stuck with bad choices, they turn on each other. You know, the guys who are more for resistance will see the other guys as a bunch of sellouts. The other, the ones who are willing to negotiate, they see the resistance guys as hopeless romantics who are trying to kind of, they're going to screw it up for all the rest of us. And they are both right in in both directions. They are both right in the critique of the other side and they are both right in the, hey, you know, this may, given the situation, the course of action I'm proposing may not be so bad. Because the reality is there is no good choice. So you're just trying to carve a rationale for the least shitty choice you can make. 
I can guess you may see parallels with the elections right there because that's the I mean the reality of this is that it all sucks you know it's like to different degrees it's not like it's all the same but every single choice you can make here is a bad one you vote for Trump good god come on you vote for Clinton yuck Clinton is like one of the most dislikable human beings on the planet you decide to vote third party well that's a sweet I get it, you know, it's like, especially, if, let's say, if you live in a state that's completely democratic or clearly Republican, yeah, sure, vote third party. That's probably a good idea just to piss off the two-party monopoly. Yeah. But you're not really making a huge diff because the reality is it's not going to have a big impact on this election for sure. I mean, maybe as a long-term strategy, the building of third or four parties would be sweet. It's not going to happen right now. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen on a presidential election. So, again, at best, sweet symbolic gesture maybe cool to get one of them in the debates unlikely but sure i get it again this is far from a good choice is a maybe a less shitty bad choice but it's not a good choice not voting because the whole thing sucks and is corrupt anyway and what's the point yeah you have it's a basically an admission that of disempowerment where there's just nothing going it's like all of the choices they all have a rationale yeah Every one of them has their own rationale, and every one of them is to different degrees bad. So that's why, to me, spending too much time on it is um, probably not the healthiest thing in the world. Like, I notice myself, all I do is I get pissed off with, look how these guys, how can they argue this stupid shit? And that's all that happens. It's like, I get more venomous and pissed off, and I just want to spout my disapproval it's not really helping anybody so I think I guess it's not that I want to argue about you know one choice is not as awful as the others because really the most of them are my main thing is kind of invite people to remember nobody get to make a good choice here so about let's start by being nice to your friends regardless of how stupid you believe their choices are you know the fact remains none of them is gonna have a good choice None of them is going to make it simply because no good choices are on the table. So let's start by going easy on each other. That would be a good first step. And we have to reach a point where we have to realize security and safety is not guaranteed. No, of course not. Crazy shit's going to go down. Yeah, of course. And if you spend so much time trying to just you know tighten it down and making everything, what is it? If you, if you give up a little liberty to gain a little security, you end up with neither? Yeah, it's, it's just a weird a moment, you know. And I'm not pro anybody blowing anybody up or any no, crazy no, shit like that. But we cannot turn into some, you know, roll the streets up at seven and no joy and 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 even that, you know, it's becoming. This is gonna be one of my things. I mean, has always been because this is a very Taoist look at things. But it shows up here, and I'm sure it's gonna show up more and more in future episodes just because it's the forefront of how I'm looking at things lately. But even on these, it's always a complicated proposition because on one end you have the guys who are like, it's about security, squash more freedoms, squash more rights, because then we'll be safe. But you won't be. First. And second, then you live in a shitty world. On the other end, you have the guys who are absolutely dogmatic on the... It's all about personal freedoms. Fuck, you know, what if... I don't care if uh, anybody should be able to do any... It's like 
Okay, let's also leave in the real world. There are maybe a couple of things you can do to limit the damage that certain people, you know. Ask Leviticus. Yeah, let's have a discussion there about. And instead, what I notice in every discussion, whether we're talking about this, whether we're talking about pick any topic in the world, the environment versus the economy, the safety of uh, the pharmaceutical industry, the, you know, anything, how you raise your kids, politics, whatever the topic may be, I always run into this humanity's addiction to binary thinking. You know, there's one theory and there's the opposite. It's black and white. These two worlds are just going to fight each other with I'm right, I'm right. And oddly enough, very rarely one side does not have at least a little bit of right. Okay, usually both sides have at least a rationale. Maybe one is better than the other. Maybe one can be even clearly better than the other. But it's not, I always find it weird when we demonize the other side of an argument where those guys think this because they are evil. That's why they think this. It's like, no, they don't, they don't wake up one day and thinking, I wanna, how can I be evil today? You know, what can I do to be, most people do it because there's an unfulfilled need. There's something where the current answers don't provide the feeling, the safety, the happiness that they are craving. So they think that this other option is better. So at least, even if you disagree with the strategy, the need may be real. So let's start with that, with the fact that rather than having these yelling at each other across the world discussions, sit down and figure out what is that what's the best possible solution that satisfies the greatest number of people? What's the best scenario where you get what you want and I get what I want? It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game where one of us will dominate and kill the other. Because first, I wish it was that simple, right? If you just grab an axe and go for it, at least the debate ends. But these debates never end. They continue forever because people just yell at each other on Facebook or some shit. You'd be... I think that's why I think it's time for our music moment because I'm going to mention the one and only sweet old Dan Carlin. There you go. I think that's why I love his approach to everything, really, to life, his way of thinking. Because Dan is one of the few human beings who's truly nuanced in his approach to stuff. Like, give me 10,000 topics. I usually can tell you, if you show me what does this person think about this issue and that issue and that issue, I can pretty much predict all of them. Why? Not because I'm psychic, because people go with a fucking rule book. They have their dogma that they have embraced and they are going to support it at every step of the way, right? Dan is one of those human beings who I don't know what he's going to say. Because he's usually going to show you things from one side, and then he's going to also say, wait, 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 while I do feel this, let's not also forget that there's this side of the story. Yeah. That to me is wisdom. That to me is an adult, is what adults human beings should look like, is the ability to look at things from multiple positions, which does not mean some spineless, oh, it's all relative, there is no right choice. Is figuring out a more nuanced answer as opposed to a dogmatic one. So that's, I'm going to get off my soapbox, but not for long, because I'll be back on this topic to death, just because, I don't know, do you run into it as well? Like where you see, like I'm obsessed with this because I see it in everything. 
every single discussion I'm faced with. Doesn't even matter what the topic is. It always boils to the same shit. Well, in Dan's brand new episode, he was talking about if you had a hatometer, mm-hmm. is it pegging higher than it ever has before? Because people mm. have been, it's, you know, this is 20 years of them getting themselves into these corners. Right. And now they're so wrapped up in their opinions, they will not listen to anybody else, and no other person could possibly rewrite other than me. Yep. Well, there's nowhere for it to go then, than to just get fired up. Because I love the notion of the nuanced answers, and let's try to make the most people happy. But every fucking time, the people that aren't happy, they're going to lose their minds. Also, I think one of the problems in terms of human communication is that nobody likes to be yelled at. Nobody likes to be told uh, you're an idiot. Yeah. The moment you start coming too harshly on somebody, they're going to shut down and not listen to a Shields up, single fuck you. fucking thing you have to say. Yep. You know? It was actually really interesting. I saw a discussion between these two guys who were arguing about abortion, and you can imagine the usual position back and forth. And one guy at some point said, you know what? We can continue doing this for the next three hours, and the reality is we already know what you are going to say, what I'm going to say. You know, none of this shit is going to change. How about we focus for us? Let's take a break from this. How about we focus on the things we have in common? I see that you are really into music and you play this stuff. I love it as well. I play guitar. And suddenly they are best friends, right? They go into this discussion about their families and the this and the that and rediscover an element of that person is not the epitome of evil. The person is com- just came up with a position and they hold strongly to a position that you disagree with badly does not mean that they are evil in every single aspect of their life. The specific you may think is evil, maybe, but that's not all that they are. They are a human being. And so if you figure out a way to communicate with them on a human level, then when you get back to the topic that you actually hate each other on, maybe you can find a way to talk that's where you can actually learn something from each other, where you're actually really listening to each other as opposed to being, I'm going to throw out all my talking points, you'll throw yours, and we'll yell at each other, pat ourselves on the back, and walk away huffing and puffing. With in, nothing solved. In, with nothing solved in righteous indignation. You know, To me, it's like that's all the preaching to the choir shit just doesn't do anything. I find it stupid strategically. I find it... It's like, let's stop demonizing each other's position in that sense. And we, again, I'm not being all kumbaya, like, oh, hi, Isis, you just need to hug them because they are really, no, obviously they are fucked up human beings that you need to put a bullet in their head. But ask yourself the question before you get to be an Isis member. It's like, what does prompt some people to become Isis members? Because that's real. You know, their bullshit, their ideology, as evil as it may be, Nobody wakes up embracing that ideology just because. There are usually reasons. Let's look at what those reasons are first and yeah. see if there's something else that could be done to prevent people from becoming batshit crazy, murderous people. You know, that's that to me is where it's interesting. Otherwise, just saying those guys are wrong doesn't help anybody. doesn't solve anything. <sighs> that didn't fix anything. Or maybe we're just in light. And I think right now, as we mentioned with our Datsusara spot, I think it, right in this moment there was an Isis torturer who somehow stumbled on this podcast and was applying electrodes to somebody and decided, oh my God, I see the light. I ne-. No, probably not happening, but still. I'm still hopeful. Now, was there another rant you had there, or did we just stumble into it? I have many, many, many rants. Um, 
this is definitely i guess related to this i wanted to mention i there's this guy you know what's his name stefan molino mol i don't know how to pronounce his name i don't know how to pronounce anybody's name but in any case somebody linked me a video of his where he's basically about native american genocide and you know he's making this half hour long thing about basically saying there was no genocide you know it's like it's all and he presents some facts now the majority of the facts he presents are not wrong so what's wrong with that then oh he's a genius who's bringing forth good information right it goes back to this bullshit duality of things it's like the guy has some points, and in fact, the people who scream genocide at the entire history of European native interaction is a history of an interrupted genocide, and that's all that ever happened. You're a fucking idiot. That's not, there's a lot more complicated stuff there. You're right, in part, there was genocide, but there was also a lot of other stuff. So to see it in those terms is, well, you know, take the exact opposite. He, focused, he cherry picks all the facts indicating not genocide and come to a conclusion there was no genocide. Why does he want to state that? What's the whole point? He's, he wants to go against the idea that, uh, you know, white guilt is bullshit, that for today, white people to be whipping themselves over bad asses doesn't help anybody. Okay, I can see that point. Uh, he wants to, you know, I get where he's going, and I don't necessarily disagree with some of those points, but I find the way he goes about it and the way for that matter, he's just an example. I'm not even bitching about him specifically. It's just that way of thinking. Highly intellectually dishonest because when you look at it, he only picks all the shit that fits his argument and clearly intentionally ignores all the stuff that does not fit. There's in particular one that I thought was quite bizarre half hour on native american genocide of how it never existed and never once go in depth into what happened in california post gold rush he just mentioned oh you know yeah there was some bad things happened and some population loss because a lot of the land was lost and so many of the women became hookers and they didn't have kids and it's just like whoa, whoa, whoa time out what about the ten dollar scalp collection yeah how like about that? the fact that the state paid you a bounty for killing Indians, yeah. men, women, and children. I mean, that genocide right there, right? That's exhibit A in genocide. About the fact that 80% of the California Indian population was wiped out in a space of like 12 to 13 years. The fact that, and far from being an invention of some liberal scholars with an axe to grind against white people, this was openly acknowledged as a legitimate goal, genocide, by the actors involved. There was the, the governor of California in 1851. Here is a quote for you. A war of extermination will continue to be waged between the two races until the Indian race becomes extinct. Not to mention 80 million dead buffalo. Yeah, there's that too. The Eureka Herald, 1853. Newspaper expressing popular sentiment in California in the 1850s. We hope that the government will render such aid as will enable the citizens of the North to carry on a war of extermination until the last red skin of these tribes has been killed. Extermination is no longer a question of time. The time has arrived. The work has commenced. And let the first man who says treaty or peace be regarded as a traitor. 
Again, back to the whole Dan Carlin approach. Dan may make a point. He may even state, I doubt he would, but let's say he comes to the exact same conclusion that this other dude brings up. Uh, guilt doesn't help anybody in the present, blah, blah, blah. I get that. He would go about it showing you both sides of the story, showing you all the cases where genocide did not happen and the narrative that it's all a history of bloodshed and nothing else is bullshit. He would show you the cases where it did happen and there are plenty of reasons to feel that some very dark, ugly things happen. He would spin it on multiple angles and then he would come to a conclusion that's a strong conclusion because it's a conclusion that actually took into consideration all of the available evidence. Here instead, the typical thing that this guy does, that just about everybody else I hear on every other topic does, is look only at those facts that support your conclusion and then shove them in to make them fit. Like anything else that doesn't, I'm not gonna look at it because it would ruin, it would spoil my theory. That to me is, that's lack of faith in your own conclusion. Because if you really think that your conclusions are strong and that is the best possible answer, then you shouldn't be afraid to look at all the evidence that goes against it. Because if anything, it allows you to come to a conclusion that's once it's firm, you have done it because you look at all the evidence, not because you decided to ignore all the shit that doesn't fit your argument. Because that's going to come back and haunt you anyway. Exactly. And that's what I find in just about that. Like, even when I wrote Create Your Own Religion, right? My publisher was like, oh, we have a problem here because you can write a book about religion that's like a hardcore fundamentalist book. It will sell because you have a ready-made audience, all the fundamentalists. You can write a book about religion that's a hardcore atheist book it will sell because there's a whole latest thing. Something that's not completely in one camp or the other, something that is not totally black or white, uh, that's a little tricky. We, are, we don't know what to do with it. Now, they're not wrong because the fact is most people think in black or white. They lack a nice Taoist nuance where there's yin and yang, not this or that, it's this and that. Yeah. And again, I'm going to hammer these to death because with the examples will change. You know, the specific examples we look at will change. But the substance doesn't. It's always the, the same mindset is at play in just about every other topic that I see. Am I taking it too far? Do you see it as well? Is that something you run into on a regular? I've always thought that the shades of gray were where the important decisions get made and that when people throw walls up and, and refuse to budge, it puts us in our current situation. So it's the same sort of level of insanity. Keep banging your head against it. But no, if, you're, if your arguments are built on just shaky pieces that you have found help you make your point, then you're doomed. Yeah, I mean, that's why. Why is it... What what good old Carlin does should be just what any human being does. It shouldn't even be something that we would praise him for. It would be something like, of course, how else would you be? Of course you look at multiple sites and come to a conclusion that's based on evidence. I think that just makes too much sense. Yeah, you're not exactly discovering some... Cra it's not a crazy new discovery. It's obvious, right? Except it's so obvious that hardly anybody does it. Yeah. Crazy shit. It is a crazy world. Well, I was uh, the Tao Te Ching. My way is very easy to understand, very easy to practice. But nobody understands it and nobody practices it.
other time, this would be an uh, international version, I'm guessing. This is actually uh, just the other day version. Oh. Just started school. So it's um, by now, by the time we release, it's probably be two weeks from now or something, but close enough to the beginning of school. And I dare to ask her, hey, is you excited about starting second grade? How do you think it's going to be? Her epic reply was shrugging her shoulders and going, eh, probably better than prison. I thought, I'm not exactly sure what our terms of reference for prison are, but I would say that's probably an accurate statement. At yeah. least, I hope it is. I think she's on to it way earlier than you thought she would Yeah, be. indeed. So, second grade, better than prison. But she liked her teacher afterwards, so that was good. That was a nice... Uh, her prison guard was nice, at least. I, uh, I had the, the joy of taking my daughter back to college. She came home for 11 weeks. Nice. The longest we've had her since she left for school three years ago. Can you wow. believe that? How old is she now? She's 21. 21, yeah. And uh, switching now. She's keeping her philosophy emphasis, but she's going into pre-law now. She wants to save the world. So right. I'm fine Somebody's got to do it. You can tell she got the spirit to be yeah. argumentative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, that's, that's three picks. Because, you know, in... In Italy, it's not so weird for kids even like, you know, 20s and stuff to either live at home or spend a ton of time at home or sure. even do vacations to get stuff like that. But out here, man, it's like 18. A lot of people is like 18 and you're out. And then it's like Christmas and Thanksgiving and I'll write your card. And I honestly don't get that way of living. It just, to me, is weird. It's like, I don't, I mean, I understand, you know, if your parents are fucking the night stalker or something, then yes, you probably want to do cards and nothing more. But if you actually like your parents, and by the same token, if you are the parents and you actually like the people that your kids have become, why the fuck would you want to live away from them? I mean, I don't mean like in the same how. I mean, of course, you want privacy and all that shit, but like, why wouldn't you want to have a lot of time with them as adults too? It's like, it's not that it's a job that is like, oh, I I produced you. I can push ahead into society. My job is done. Fuck off. It's like, it's pleasure, you know? It's I, I don't ever not want them to come back, uh-huh. but I think it is important to have your own space no i'm all for that i'm not against uh leave i'm i'm for of course i am totally for you know you move out you get your stuff not like you have to have to but it's kind of like sure eventually you want to get your act together and make it happen it's more the the fact that people don't just move uh, down the block they move uh, three states away and then you never see each other that's the part that puzzled me where i'm just like well, I never would have survived it, I've said before, if it wasn't for Skype and mm-hmm. the fact that my sister and my aunt live up there. Yep. So there's always somebody close by because if she had gone to New York or something, I would have just never been able to handle it. I'd have had to move to New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just I'm like, with you, 100%. you know, I have. It's a weird thing, you know. It's, I, you know, I was 17 when I left to go to school, and, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like, don't let the door hit in your ass or anything. It was just like, time to go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a long time till I came back. But right. I don't want. I don't want to never see him again. Right, right. It's funny. I'm the crybaby lately. Where I was of like, of course. So uh, the 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 hours of the five of us in our little group, I've burned through ninety eight percent of it. You know, yeah, for sure. And probably burned through a whole bunch more this summer with having everybody around. Yeah. And you never get that again. No, always that's... be clingers ons and wives and, and and you know who knows what from there. Sure. And uh, it's just sort of end of an era. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough one. I thought. Since three years have gone by since I had previously dropped her off, uh, it would have gotten easier. And yeah. it did. 
3%. Mildly easier, right. Of but it course. was still like, what am I thinking here? And especially after a great summer and have a good time. Yeah. It's so hard, man. Well, on um, stuff that instead does not make you miss kids, here is a, a sentence by Isabella that I wish I never read. <laughs> I wish there never was a reason to hear this sentence in life, but somehow I heard it anyway. You can imagine the context, but this is Isabella. I'm sorry I didn't see you, stepped on your balls and crushed them. Where's all this ball crushing references coming from? Do we need to get Savannah on the phone? What the hell's going on? Well, she just didn't see me, uh, was walking around on the couch and decided that it was a great idea to jump in a direction, but somehow missed her spot and just landed straight on my balls. (laughs) That was fun. That was good times. I appreciated how polite she was. I'm sorry I didn't see you stepping on your balls and crash them. But it's like, yeah, I was not happy for a few minutes there. Well, you seem to have survived it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I'm getting along with her real well. Like, you know, for a long time I kept saying, oh, I'm always kind of edgy and I always have to watch it about not getting mad around her and all of that. I wouldn't say that's in the past, but kind of. I'm way more patient. I'm way more able to not just like keep it in, keep it in, don't blow up. You know, it's not like that. I feel, I think maybe I'm just in a better place. So I'm not quite as so fucking stressed and tense all the time. How long has it been since the Operation uh, Tortured Animal Drowning in an Ocean of Fear Mushroom Festival? How long ago was that? What was that? When you went and had your uh, mushroom. um, That was like. 18 months ago, something like that. The difference is amazing. Yeah. I, I'm I, sure a nice vacation didn't hurt either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That helps for sure. No, but definitely. I mean, the last the last year plus has been considerably better than before. Well, so we're not spring uh, chickens anymore. No, no, no. Other than people that don't know how to merge in traffic. I'm a pretty calm dude these days. Really? Yeah. How are you? Nice. I still have murderous dreams, but at least I don't. No, and we can't fix it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing at a time. <laughs> But uh, for the sake of testosterone, here is a third and last Isabella thing. Is um, She's now... F- the music we listened... Today was funny. I was walking with her to school, and I hear some of the cars of the other parents that are driving by, and I can hear the music. And like nine out of ten are like little children songs and stuff like that. And I'm like... And not that there's anything wrong. I mean, Isabella likes some of completely child stuff music. But not only that, so one of her recent uh, new passions has been uh, a band that is Mongolian folk metal. You play me some of that, that's quite fantastic. Tanger Cavalry. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are fucking awesome. We'll drop you, we'll drop you a piece right now. There's, um, I found a version that's instrumental, because I don't dig the metal, whoa, whoa, whoa kind of voice, but um, the music is amazing. So, yeah, by comparison, it pretty much makes the rest of my music sound like the soundtrack of My Little Pony, because it's so in... Like, if you listen, you just, you know, you put it on for a minute, and the next thing you do is you're going to want to invade something.
met uh, Emily's boyfriend's parents. Okay. She's a Chinese kid, or at least his mom, and uh, mistakenly walked my way into a Mongolian speaking. The Chinese folks don't like the Mongolians Ooh, very much for some no, reason. No, no, Could no. have been that million There's, people killed yeah, in the town. Or... There may be just a tad bit of tension well, there. They said they were from northern China. They're neighbors. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, you know, as, as neighbors often do. Borders deep, will be borders. Yeah, deep hatred usually <laughs> is there. So other than that, and we were at a like, really high-end dim sum restaurant. Uh-huh. It's so nice to have a guide. Oh, there. yeah, yeah. Makes it so yeah. much easier. Totally. Because I don't want any fucking eyeball cilantro noodle yeah. funko. Or at least you order it because you mean it, not be- yeah. by chance. <laughs> yes. It was great, man. I, we had yeah. a great time, and the food was fantastic. Things I never would have tried. This sort of like pork, mushroom, bean curd, noodle. Oh, my God. You know what's awesome for doing some uh, jellyfish? Is it really? Yep. Tastes actually really good. Well, this is one of those ones where you walked in the door, and it was looked more like an aquarium. Yeah, yeah, where you peak. Yeah. yeah. And jellyfish is good. It. Well, it's going to have to be because it's going to be all that's going to be left here shortly. You know, I haven't, I haven't gone to Dim... Yeah, last time I went to Dim Sum was still when uh, Elizabeth was alive. I haven't gone back since. A, because it's weird. Yeah. I feel weird going. Uh, B, it was fun to go with her because she spoke Chinese. She could talk to the waiter and all of that yeah. and make stuff happen. That was good. But... Always nice to have a guide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Dim Sum is, is awesome. It is. Good stuff. Okay, so that's it for Isabella Moment. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Dream time. Dream time it is. This is a, I'll make it quick and painless because it's a weird one. Well, they all are, but this is, I have zero interpretation or feelings or understanding or anything. It's just a collection of probably three different things, all weird. We start with the fact that I'm unjustly arrested and I'm pretty pissed off that they are taking me away from Isabella. So once I manage to break out of jail, I promptly go find the guy who put me in jail, who turns out to be Theodore Roosevelt. I think I was researching a little too heavily into Theodore Roosevelt's biography for a future episode of History on Fire. <laughs> and despite the fact that I actually like Theodore Roosevelt through my research, I was not so fond of the fact that he just put me in jail, so I put three bullets in his head. Ooh. So there was that, the usual murder to start a good dream. Cause what we, kind of weapon? Oddly enough, he was a gun. It never is a gun. Oh, it was a pistol? Or it's was a, a rifle? Uh, was yeah, a pistol. Uh, it's always edge weapons. Somehow, this time, technology didn't fail me, and I actually did three bullets into the Roosevelt's head. Bully. Following that, I have an interesting, actually two things. I won't make it too complicated. There are some divergent stories that go into this. But following this, I'm at home, I'm happy, I wake up, I shower, I get dressed, I walk out ready to start my day. And once I walk out, I look around and I'm like, why the hell is it pitch black? And I figure out, no, it's still 3 a.m. and it's not morning. So what the hell? I guess I need to go back to bed. That's where it's at. Wow. Yeah, I have zero theories or understanding or anything else. I now, just... Do you wake up in the morning with these or do you wake in the middle of the night in the midst of them? Uh, usually I have like, you know, how through the, um, the night cycle you have moments where you're like, your sleep is a lot lighter, moments where you're kind of awake. Yeah. And when you go, oh, that was weird. I need to remember it tomorrow morning. And then once in a while you actually do remember it the next morning. And this was one of them. Excellent. Well, I don't know what that says, but 
Maybe. Probably nothing, other than the fact that Theodore Roosevelt did to watch his ass. It's story time, everybody! Brought to you by our friends at Sure Design T-shirts, those fabulously soft, wonderful T-shirts, crazy designs from our old pal Bennett. It still seems, It looks like somebody took him to see the Grateful Dead. Did you see that? Yeah, that was awesome. Cheap, cheap Olson was uh, Bennett's friend. Uh, Ashes, I'm assuming. I got yes. that to be. And uh, yes, that was great. That's a good friend right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, what story are we visiting today? We are visiting a hooker. No, I mean we're visiting the story of a hooker. We're not actually going to visit a hooker right oh, now. Okay. Um, but her name was Firne. I have no. I have no idea how to pronounce her name. P-H-R-Y-N-E. Wow. No clue. So we'll call her <laughs> Miss P. Because, no, Miss P sounds very bad. So we won't call her Miss P. Uh, well, she's the hot hooker. There are no other hot hookers in the story. So she's uh, the one. Uh, even if I don't name her, it's her. So with this lady, uh, she was apparently hot as hell. And... Um, during certain religious festival, she would uh, let her hair drop down and step naked into the sea. And this inspired one of the greatest uh, sculpture and painter of ancient Greece um, to create this famous picture of Aphrodite that was like, just like she looks like a goddess coming out of the sea. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Um, a sculpture used her as a model for a statue of Aphrodite because, you know, they used her as kind of like she's uh, the living embodiment of the goddess of love so artists were often her client went crazy for her and used their likeness for paintings for sculpture for all sort of stuff this by the way her uh, sculpture was the very first nude statue of a woman from ancient greece so that's an interesting one they didn't get around to naked ladies till then until until not until her is this the classic one of her with the shell behind her? I or? do not remember, to be entirely honest. I don't. I haven't seen the image of the sculpture. I was too taken with the story to. Uh, well, even like Neolithic man. Made, no, no, no. I mean, naked sculpture. I know. I'm talking about ancient Greece specifically, yeah, no, 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 but just, yeah, I guess it wasn't a cultural convention. And then after her, they said, "Oh, what the hell? Why not?" So bad yes, after all. Exactly. I believe I'll try myself. Yeah. Well, she did have. Um, Let's put it that way. She was quite successful in her career because apparently she had made so much money that at one point she offered to rebuild the walls of the city in Thebes. So, so, you know, you need to have some decent cash to do that. Wow. Which, if you are that hot, I'm assuming you can command a laudable price and make it happen. But this is all warm-up. The good part about her story is this. Uh, At one point she was um, accused of blasphemy. Okay, so there was a capital punishment possibility. They, we don't know the details exactly of what she said or what she had done, but she had been accused basically of an offense against the gods, of blasphemy, of having said something highly. That's so, get complicated with so many gods. There probably is like many rules. Yeah, there are all sorts of things, and it may be just a personal fuck off, like they want somebody's jealous or some. Who knows what they want their money back? They want their money back, something, right? <laughs> so. She's on trial, and things are not looking particularly good. So what happened is that her um, her lawyer 
decided, as things were not going so well, decided to pull down her dress so that she would bare her boobs and show her, show the boobs to all the jurors. Not guilty. And it, that's exactly what happens. The idea being, would you really destroy this beauty? Would you really get rid of this? And not only from an obvious boobs are sacred part, but b- being sacred precisely is beauty in ancient Greece wasn't just an accident. It's like it's proof that the gods like you. If you are the living embodiment of a nearly divine beauty, you're basically, it's something holy, it's something religious, it's something that cannot be. So how can you accuse somebody of blasphemy if clearly the gods are on their side? That's some Johnny Cochran shit right there. That was pure and absolute genius. And off she goes, a free woman. That's exactly what happens. So after her boobs pop out, everybody on the jury said, what are we doing here? This is totally fine this is great uh, i would say acquitting is the only thing to do now there are some killjoys who tell the story saying that she never bared her boobs that she just but i don't want to get that no, fuck that stuff like that's why some historians need to be shot is like don't spoil a great story with your petty whatever facts. yeah oh my goodness i hate that crap so yeah <laughs> this is i stick to one version of the story it's the one that provide these because it's too good the other version screw them I don't care. Now, this apparently did not help good old Socrates, who will also end up on trial for blasphemy. Did he get his boobs out? And sadly, Socrates was not the prettiest person in the world, and so he could not quite pull off that defense, and he was sentenced to death as a result. Drank poison, didn't he? Yep, he sure did. Had he had great boobs, things would have been considerably easier on him instead. I'm guessing there's probably not too many ladies on the jury. Nope, old men. Yeah. That helped considerably, because, yes, jealousy may have kicked in and things could have turned ugly. So, yes, that would not have been good. But here is the thing that really trips me out. Well, no, this is a story that's glorious in itself. But if we want to instead switch to the universe is a weird place, that Mm. is another one of our regulars. So, yesterday I'm um, putting the notes together for this stuff. Right, I'm writing down this story. I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. And I close my Word file. And in the meantime, I have my Facebook feed that's going. And so new posts keep popping up. And the second I close the Word file, there's a new post that just climbed to the top. is in front of me. And it's a post by Gabriel Roberts, who's an author. And, and what does he have right there? He has a painting of this exact story right in the it's like how many times have i heard this story one in my life uh, out of you know studying ancient greece forever being tortured having to learn ancient greek in high school (laughs) having all sort of you know class and i ran into this story once okay my whole life what happens the second i close the file i run into it again right in front of my nose i mean that's just again the universe saying (laughs) remember how you whatever you think you know about the universe yeah just good luck with that all completely wrong yeah so that was fun did you see that they've discovered there's a different form of light Mm, i don't think it was like heavy heavy physics but i think essentially a photon can accept an electron and become almost a light atom does that affect the quality of boobs it makes them just brighter okay that helps easier to see that's always good yeah yeah
You know, I got to mention, my superfood has become just, I do it twice a week. I think any more than that might be overkill because it's so much good nutrition in there. 50 different elements. On it? it yeah. From our on, friends at Onnit, they're Onnit Superfood. It ain't the most delicious thing you're ever going to run into. But I tell you, the nutrition level, it almost like you feel a little little lightning bolt a few hours later as all those little the little missing pieces of your diet are, are being filled in. And it's just... I that one is great. brilliant. I agree. And did you try the, the Alpha Brain? You know how there's Alpha oh, Brain, yeah. the regular bottle, and then there's like the instant effect one? No. That one is... Very interesting. Like, um, so is it battle fatigue or? Like yeah, it's. You... Uh, I don't know how it works. I don't understand because I'm stupid, but I don't understand the precise mechanism. But basically, kicks in pretty much right away as soon as you take it, as opposed to like a pill that takes a little while to go through your system. It's, it's pretty strong and excellent. Like boom, suddenly your focus, you're on. So as usual, if you guys want to try it, you get the on it guarantee to just try. You don't like it, you don't have to pay. So check them out at onnit.com. And I'm sure, you know, I think we have, a, we have a link in our episode notes so that they know that it came from us and it's sweet. You help us out. So check them out. On it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to reach deep inside the digital mailbag and see what sort of awesome queries are inside there. What do we have this week? We got Cameron asking about the expanding on the notion of stoicism in the framework of the adventures of Conan. Oh. Conan! Yes. By Crom. So, um, the whole thing is basically stoic philosophy... It's interesting to speak of Conan as philosophy when you're really the whole story is about women, wine, and access in your enemy's skulls. But somehow it is. By the way, before I even get too into this, I decided that I'm gonna, you know, out there the typical what would Jesus do? Sure. My thing is what would Conan do? And it keeps things simple. I don't have have to think. Exactly. That's usually the answer to everything. You know, is your fridge doesn't work? Hit it with an axe. Your (laughs) neighbor is complaining. Hit it with an axe. You know, those are the answer. Well, actually, I'm oversimplifying. Come on, why be so mean to good old Conan? The reality is, yes, hit it with an axe is a staple of Conan's philosophy of behavior but also let's be fair where uh, there's also the other options are have sex with her slash them um, or kill him them or drink it those are usually the three (laughs) so it's like whatever problem somebody brings to you is like can you drink it yes no Uh, you get to have sex with her yes no or do you get to kill them yes no those are pretty much the options and keep you know i find it refreshingly practical and to the point well you don't have a lot of decision making at that point it's just sort of down the quick checklist acts done yeah it simplifies the issue with uh with life dilemmas but on that note so back to stoicism in conan well the whole thing in a way the Against the backdrop of the fighting and monsters and adventures and boobs and all the good stuff that make Conan great, there is this notion that 
despite the fact that the character is built to be this amazing, the manliest man there is, you know, tough, strong, can get out of anything, every single time there's the recognition that even he has limits, that he's not Superman who can make everything work out in the end, that you can be the greatest warrior in the universe and still things are not going to go your way if they are not, you know, there's an element of luck that's greater than anybody's individual efforts. So in that sense, there's this idea that faith, not faith, actually, faith, uh, so I'm mixing up my English words, and nobody can tell the difference anyway, because I pronounce them all the same, but like, by the way, let me go on a tangent, because it's not like we're making... Savannah laughs her ass off every time I say certain words, say, tell me what the difference is between three, as in stuff on which leaves grow, and three as in more than two and less than four. And I'm all like, well, there's three, and then it's three. And she's like, ah, it's exactly ah. the same. You can't forget. And to me, it's like, yeah, it, uh, how else do you... Every time I try to hear it, I don't hear the difference. But in any case, there are many, many, many words in the English language that sound exactly the same, and I cannot distinguish them. But aside from that... It's okay. It's going well. I think you're communicating well. Back to good old Conan. Yes. Fate, fuck you over. You know, there's just no, you don't control destiny. That's just the way it goes. Sometimes it's just not your day. Yeah. And so over and over again, even though we cannot kill poor Conan because that would ruin the future stories. So eventually he always gets out of trouble. But there's always this recognition that he may not. You know, there are, uh, there are multiple moments where the idea is, okay, he's ready. He understands that he's not going to get out of alive of this battle, of this issue. This time it's over, it's done. And his approach is, well, let's go down swinging. You know, there's always, there's one story in particular that I remember where there's, he's facing this giant monster that he cannot kill with his sword. Nothing is working. And this thing is just pounding on the door. And it's just a matter of time before with this monstrous strength, he can take down the door. He's going to come in. And Conan is already planning, and the second the door goes, he's going to charge forward, not because it's going to make any difference, because he won't, but that's because he's better than sitting in a corner crying. It's like, it's just in his DNA to go down swinging, but that's how he's going to pan out. There really is no way out. In the meantime, there's still probably two minutes of pounding on the door left. He's strapped in here with a particularly hot woman, so he's just looking at her, thinking... Could God, like he's kind of oblivious to all the pounding on the door, monster coming to kill you, and he's just staring at her, and it's just like, wow, life is good, isn't it? That to me is the essence of stoicism, right there. It's uh, yes, you don't control destiny. There are things that are entirely out of your ability to uh, handle, and yet that does not mean that you cannot enjoy the present moment and. You know, you have fun while it lasts and you go with it when it don't. So in some weird odd way, again, I understand that it may be a bit of a rich look for philosophy in the Conan the Barbarian story, but I actually don't think so. I no think reason to quit now. No, the whole thing is very, it's stoic philosophy. It's a master course in stoic philosophy, the entire thing. So it's, that's my feel. You know, there are lots of examples of it. There are lots of, but that's where... The overall vibe I get from Conan is that it is about this worldview. I agree. And it's glorious. Ah, good old Conan. By the way, those of you guys who grapple, remember, we got the Conan Rush Guard through Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. 
um, they we bought the rights to a Frank Frazetta painting it's the greatest rush guard ever so if you grapple check it out I'll put the link in the episode notes I'm, I did a grappling match in Italy um, man I had the corner rush guard on I told myself no leg locks no leg locks stay away from the feet Come do on. something else try and I tried I made an honest effort passed the guard went for the armbar the guy defended it really well went for the armbar again he defended it again leg lock times exactly after two minutes I was like well fuck off then it's time to grab a foot and he defended that well too until eventually not so well anymore do you think that Conan artwork was an important reason that you liked the books? You know, I think I got to You shouldn't it. judge your book by a cover. No, but, but my process has been the reverse because, you know, the books came first and then the art and the comics and the movie. And I started movie first because I was eight years old when it came out, yeah. the, um, the original Conan by John Milius and with Arnold. And that, to me, was everything, you know. And I think the soundtrack of this movie is 70% of the whole thing. It's like the most epic soundtrack ever. <laughs> Fucking awesome. So from there, then I started, I discovered the books and I appreciated them. And uh, now, you know, Conan the Barbarian comic books are Isabella's uh, bedtime story. So that's always good stuff. Stoicism. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Well, the funky music can only mean one thing, and it's the end of another fine episode of the Curtain House Podcast. It's nice to have you back. It's been two months, man. Know, man. It's kind of a crazy thing, but it's also insane how fast the time goes. Yeah. I, uh, Rogan and the boys were talking, I think it was Rogan and Duncan were talking about, is time actually speeding up? It certainly feels that way. I mean, this summer... Just flew by. Just flew by. This year, I mean, it's... We're deep into the year now. It's going to be 2017 in a second. I think the answer for Joe and Duncan is do less drugs. Oh. You may actually remember what happened last Saturday. That's then. probably what's causing it. It's just a big smear, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, that's genius. A <laughs> uh, couple of quick things. Of course, if you can, please use our Amazon link. That is very sweet. It helps us a bunch. Uh, let's also say thank you to the sweet folks who have donated to us recently. And, you know, I actually didn't hear because you sent me an edited version that didn't have that part earlier. You did that twice, right? Uh You did a couple of times the whole list of names. Perfect. So I think I'm going to get it right. If you have donated and I've gotten confused and archived it under History on Fire instead and I'm not mentioning your name, by all means, let me know and I shall whip myself. So um, this is up to date up until mid-August roughly. So let's say thank you to the following folks. Let the pottering begin. We got David Rankin, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo. Uh, Jonathan, by the way, built a t-shirt inspired by our Nietzsche thing that instead has a Bismarck quote and there's a Bismarck riding waves and stuff. <laughs> Someone helped him out here. That was glorious. It's very cool. Alexander Kuzner, Maurizio Mezzatesta, Aaron McLaughlin, David Peterson, Nicola Togni, Samuel Jones, uh, Aaron Burkham, 
Chris Talent and Lisa Robles. Seems like a, a continuing uh, list of characters that seems uh, yeah, very the, similar. Yeah, the overwhelming majority of these guys are regular dollars, and we appreciate them deeply. Don't uh, be afraid, y'all. Go yeah, ahead. if you want to join the club, by all means, they will welcome you with open arms. 100 episodes, it's worth a dollar or two, wouldn't you think, at some point? Yeah, that would be sweet. But thank you so much for the people who have been doing that. That's yes. very, very, very cool. Having said that, uh, what else we got to say? A quick thank you, of course, to Daisy House for the music. That's always deeply appreciated. Corkow Chocolate and our friends at Audible. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, speaking of music, a quick... Um, forget the last name. Austin first name. He sent me some music a while back. And damn, he's good. Like, he and these guys are really insanely skilled so maybe we'll um when we close check out the song because it's some if you like especially if you like some blues with balls this is for you as uh, I'll, i'll shut up and let you listen so in just a minute check it out because we'll close the episode with it it's some pretty powerful music right there awesome so we'll have deck Uh, we'll have Austin and uh, anything else we need to mention we've made more donations in the first half of this year than we've ever done in entire years we've been doing three years into our for good Kiva for good old Kiva Kiva.org come and join us everybody we're going to break $60,000 in loans very shortly so you know are we good capitalists probably not but do we like helping people out yes we do That would have been your... So that's not why you came in with a Ferrari today, driving in and... Uh... I wasn't going to talk about that. Cool. Well, that goes with the whole movie thing, but we'll do that next time when it comes out. Thank you guys for listening to us. You have a very good day. Bye, everybody.
and so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, and that's scary to think. Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about. translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the road shall teach you. Get back to work.